Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher Jr. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's available on Amazon. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. But don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate everybody that's been listening over these uh, last four seasons. This will be our final episode of season four. We've got a fun guest. I have VJ Trollio who wrote the book, Only One Shot. He's on. We'll do a year in review with some of his players, maybe some advice for you uh, folks out there when we go into the winter months, some things you can maybe do, advice on college golf, uh, recruiting, uh, just so many great topics, uh, kind of an end of the season, end of the year. Uh, so let's get started and let's get VJ. Well, let's welcome my good friend and author of the book, Only One Shot, VJ Trollio. Back to the podcast, VJ. Thanks for spending some time with us. James, see my pleasure, man. It has been fantastic listening to uh, listen to all your episodes and all your all your interviews. Those coaches are rock stars, and you are too. Have you had some so, decent feedback from some of your students who have been listening? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's really closing the gap on uh, and, and kind of like shining a light on college coaches are real people that, really that were, yeah <laughs> that were a, that were a whole lot like everybody else you know they just they had a passion for golf and and maybe their initial passion didn't work so they stayed in the game so i think it's really it's uh the feedback i'm getting is it's putting a, a personality and a background on the college coaches to um to these parents and to these junior golfers and then um so yeah i think it's fantastic man i'm hearing some great things and 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 just super, super proud of of what you're doing. Well, I appreciate the coaches being on. We've had some great guests. They've some of the top coaches, both on the men's and women's games. Great instructors. I mean, this is the uh, season four. This will be our end of the year final review season four, and and uh, we'll start back up the first of the year. But kind of, I kind of want to start with you know maybe with you. I mean, you teach players of all levels, uh, you know, up from beginner all the way to the LPGA and PGA Tour. But let's start with the ladies first and Allie Ewing. Another great season on the LPGA for her. She got her second win out in Vegas in the match play. Uh, made the Solheim Cup again in Toledo. Uh, you know, just had an incredible year. I mean, when you look back and you think about, this is a young lady that came to you when she was a young junior, like a lot of these of our listeners, and now she's made it to the LPGA. What, you know, what's what's that journey been like for both of you together? Well, Allie's a special uh, special person. I refer to her as the QB. Um more and more and, and and started calling her that years and years ago because she always she always wanted the ball in other words she always wanted somebody to uh, as a coach to kind of uh, lead her in a direction and then she always wanted the ball in her hand and making the plays um could i think i i think i heard you ask me could i see that could i see that coming could yeah I could you see that coming to a player um yeah yeah yeah, and no, I mean, junior golfers always surprise me, and, and college golfers always surprise me. Uh, there's no there's no perfect recipe for, you know, if you accomplish this, by this date, you'll be this level player at this date. But one thing that Allie always did really well was all the small stuff that people skip, she did. Um, she always did, and she was one of the few players I always taught that she would come back in the door a little better than she left the door. Hmm. I'm a firm, firm believer that you learn more away from your coach than you do with your coach. Your coach uh, fertilizes your ideas. Your coach fertilizes and encourages uh, maybe your ball flight or your motion or your putting or your chipping or encourages you to stick to a plan. 
but then ultimately it's the athlete that's out there going through that plan. And then they, they through that variation of accomplishing things, not accomplishing things, they learn it. So one thing Allie did a fantastic job of always was she never skipped the small stuff. You know, she, uh, she got plenty of sleep when she was in college. She always had goals in college. Uh, she got her rest. She got her work done in the classroom, out of the classroom. She did that in junior golf. And then she did that later professionally. So, um, yeah, I could, I could see that coming. You could see that she was special, not meaning that, not meaning that God had given her this extraordinary talent, which he, which God obviously did, but you could see that she's special in the sense that she understood what she wanted to be. And she did the small things that were necessary to, to kind of be there. And, um, I think that's her, that's her greatest gift that she's given everybody around her, the junior golfers or, or other college players that watched her play or other coaching staff that's been a part of her life has been that has been that it's like, Hey, yeah, it's pretty simple really for her. Just do all the small stuff and, and then it adds up to big stuff. Yeah. You mentioned want the ball and that's what, you know, a lot of coaches say, I want to look for a kid when I'm recruiting that's not afraid of the, the moment. And she obviously yeah. isn't, uh, you know, the main focus on your book is how elite players are made and, and what made Allie or what does make Allie that elite player? What does, I mean, I know you said it basically the small stuff, but you know, what maybe separates her to be 24th in, in the world now, 23rd in CME, a, a couple wins, you know, so many top 12s. I mean, what makes her that elite player? Well, I mean, the big things are, um, you know, statistically is is her driving and her greens and regulation. You know, she's always, this this year, she's, I looked at her stats recently, so I can say this. You know, she's top 10 in the world in those two categories. Wow. Um, the smaller stuff is, again, she um, she does the small stuff. And while she's doing that small stuff, she is ridiculously faithful in doing it. So when, when we set a plan up, um, she does all the little plan and she is very faithful at doing it. And when she's doing it, she's super focused. So, you know, there, there, there aren't really intangibles there. Um, she's just very, very good at following her process and, and setting her goals her process goals and her performance goals. What what really so, what really improved? Uh, you know, she. I was actually on the call when she won her first event uh, yeah. last year, but then she got the second one. What's really been the biggest improvement? Because we mentioned ball striking. One of the things that I thought the consistency and, the consistency of her ball striking okay. has improved over the last couple of years. Okay, just to, as far as day in day out, what she can kind of expect. You know, she was early when she got her tour card. She was fighting a little bit of a pull um, with her irons. And you know how the LPGA is. It's a little bit firmer and a little bit faster than anything else they play, just like the PGA Tour is, you know. So, um, but the consistency she's been able to deliver week in, week out, ball striking wise, has been definitely a comforting factor. And about what, and the same thing you're about to say. What is? <laughs> if you were going to, you're going to say putting. I, I, you knew that. Right. How did you that's know? Right. Well, it, We've been together it comes too from long. You, you know, right? I, that's well, you watched a lot of you watched a lot of a lot of female sports at a high end, so you've you've seen that over and over again. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I stressed to you and her. Uh, not that I'm, you know, I've watched my sister, I watched my wife, I watched my daughters play, and I've watched the LPGA now, covering them for almost eight years. 
what separates them is the short game and the putting and the consistency in that. Uh, and not everybody's going to be a great putter. Uh, when you're a great ball striker, that's then you're Tiger Woods. Well, well, her, you know, Tim Yelverton um, is the is the primary coach in her her putting and her short game. You know, chipping and pitching and bunker play. And then I'm I'm the primary side of wedges out to ball striking. So her and Tim, you know, Tim does a good job of looking at the statistics and 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 seeing it, and um, and then also building her a plan. And I, th- I think they've done a they've done a very good job. They've done a very good job. I and mean, when you know you got somebody like Allie that's hitting, uh, you know, on a, a 14 to 18 greens per day, and the ball sitting in the middle of the fairway a lot, you know, it it, it looks like really boring golf. But inside, you know, she's playing all these little games to to accomplish more and more and more of uh, of her goals of what she's trying to get done, you know, out there on that golf course as far as scoring inside those smaller goals. How does she keep improving? What's she got to keep improving on just kind of on the stuff that she's already you know, tightening things up there on the t- stuff she's good at and, and maybe prove a few weaknesses there here and there? You know, years ago, I had this guy, Lanny Basham, was a was a mentor of mine and, and Lanny was a gold medal winning um rifle shooter and I was able to spend some time with him he does some really good things with mindset and uh, he, he wrote a book called with winning in mind that's probably on the on the desk of every coach in in the country I mean at some point everybody's picked it up and read it and uh he told me he said VJ the hardest thing you're ever going to have as a coach is when they get really, really good doing the same thing all the time. Mm. And uh, and I, there's your answer for Allie. The, the answer for Allie is just for her to have her process and her plan and to enjoy that mastery enough to continue and in, in stay in the process and stay in the plan. That is, uh, that's where she is with her with her game it's and, it's uh, and with her life it's it's amazing how we complicate mm-hmm. such a, a game that we do and it, yeah. it's down to simplifying things like he's mentioned well it's 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 no different than you when um when you 93 94 95 you know it's like if somebody would have sat down with you and said okay what do we need to do different there's nothing right <laughs> nothing. yeah i guess that's why and, i never um, practiced <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Well, maybe a little bit more of that, but um, but still, it's just, it's just that ability. It, it, it's just like in the book, uh, just like in your story. It's that ability that of not taking the previous season's um, accomplishments and comparing them and living off of them the next season. So it's you know, comparison is the ultimate thief of all things joyful. Mm. so it's a matter of taking those goals and last season was last season the lessons learned off of last season and then coming into a new season knowing that you have that confidence or that reservoir of faith in yourself under the gun to win but not taking the stats and where you were in march of last year in april of last year or june of last year or september of last year not taking those and pulling those over just going out and and trying to have a nice clean season and see where the chips fall. That's a great way to transition into our next part. Uh, You mentioned mm -hmm. Tim Yelverton, another player that Mm -hmm. you've worked with. And that's the beauty of Allie and uh, Chad Ramey, who we're going to talk about now. They've stuck with you from the beginning to the end. And a lot of times, and we're not going to bash people, but 
players have a tendency to jump around and, and switch and, and move around, but these two players haven't. But, you know, let's talk about Chad. And you mentioned uh, finally got his tour card, and it was not easy. This was a player that we all saw a great future ahead of him, whether we saw PGA Tour or we just saw him as a kid that he was just so much bigger, stronger, better than everybody. Uh, yeah. and, and, but how proud are you and all the hard work that he's put in? Oh, man, it's, listen, it's, a, it's amazing. You know, I was – I had um, I had two coaches come in this week, and they were they were they, they came in uh, wanting to learn mm-hmm. what what I what I did. They, so they were basically just observing um, what I did, and you know, real very quickly up front, I told them that um, I develop players, so I don't fix swings. I develop players, um, and I and I. Told them that you know one thing that's a little different about me is that that I owe I owe what I do now to the people that I've worked with in the past, like Matt Fast, like Jonathan Randolph, like um, Carlos Sainz, like you know just go down the list of these people that have trusted me over the years. Jim Gallagher Jr., Sissy Gallagher. Um, so I'm I'm from a coaching side, I'm, I'm really. I'm really proud because, uh, you know, we've, we've done it again, right? We have a, we have a guy on the PGA tour from Mississippi again. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really satisfying thing. Um, seeing that come together as far as me being proud of Chad, um, I'm proud of Chad, not really so much for accomplishing, not, not getting on the PGA tour, right? I'm who cares, right? The, The hard part's not getting on the PGA tour. Um, the hard part is four or five years ago, Mm-hmm. When, when you have, you know, when you raise $33,000 at home and you're driving a Honda Accord that has 165,000 miles on it and you shoot 14 under in Savannah, Georgia at some little mini tour event, finish fourth. I'm proud of Chad for putting that carrot out in front of him and putting his nose down to the ground, putting some blinders on and, um, and heading that way. And, you know, and there's a lot there. There's a whole lot going on there. You have Stanley Ramey, who is his father and Trish, who have always been there to support him. He met a great girl, Kelly. Uh, they just got married that played softball at, uh, Ole Miss. And, you know, she's been a huge part of his success. And then you have me and Tim over here that, uh, have always been, been there with him. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm super proud of the kid and he's, he's, uh, He's a rock star, you know. He's he's Chad Ramey, all good at all things golf. He is good at golf. Yeah, and his dad Stanley was his first teacher, and he handled handed the reins over to you. Uh, yeah, that says a lot about Stanley and his trust in you. Uh, yeah, what was yeah. that like? Because I, I mean, I, well, Stan that be tricky at times, I would think. Yeah, what Stan did was, um, you know, Stan got to the point where when Chad was probably eight or nine years old. He, Stanley didn't want him. He did. He wanted somebody he could trust. Mm-hmm. Stanley wanted somebody that he could trust that would work on work with his son. And so, uh, I kind of became that guy. I think they went to a few other places and saw a few other people. And then I ultimately became this this coach or mentor for him. And so, so Stan really never handed me the reins as much as. Stan and I became partners in mm. influencing the direction of Chad's game. And so um, we never contradict each other. Um, I don't, 
I, I wouldn't, he would essentially come to me and he would say, what next? And I would say, we need to go here. And he would say, okay. And Chad would say, why do we need to go there? And then the three of us would always work on it and work on it collectively. Um, and so in, in a sense, uh, in, a, in a sense, he never really just said, okay, here's, you know, here's my boy, mm-hmm. take him. It was more of a, you want to call it co-coaching? Yeah. <laughs> Co- yeah. Co-coaching. That would be, that would be more of the truth of what, what, what has transpired over the years. What were you telling Chad in those years where there was a struggle? Like he said, going to make, you know, basically you're playing for your own money on the mini tours for those years and playing a little bit corn. I was just, in there. If I was ever hard on him, I was hard on him about uh, movement, take care of his body. I was hard on him about, he got you about getting functional, um, you know, the importance on that. Um, I've never been had to hard, never had to be hard on Chad about practice. Um, uh, uh, Stanley and I both have always been pretty firm on organization. And then um, he's been raised in a culture with Stanley, with me, and with himself that it's the same thing. It's like, you know, create a plan, run the plan, set out a number of days you're going to run the plan and run the plan. And uh, he's pretty amazing. You know, he. Mm-hmm. If he has a pro-am at, 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 let's say he has a 7.30 pro-am, he'll get up at 5 in the morning, and he'll run through his Zygoscu, he'll run through his movements, um, he'll he'll do his things, and then by the time he gets to the golf course at, at 6.30, he already has that behind him. And then he'll play in the pro-am, then he'll practice, and then he's out of there by 2 o'clock. I think so that's what people. Pretty... I think people miss that that these guys mm-hmm. are doing that. People just think, oh, they walk out there, they hit a few balls, and they go make a million dollars. It's no. Now that there are now, you and I both know there are players that try to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> they are out there, but uh, but yeah, you know, he he's not that way at all. He uh, he ha- he has this little protocol and he stays on his plan. And you know, I think that I say this laughingly and jokingly uh, sometimes at work. When, when people, <clears throat> like a, a civilian, just a normal member comes up, you know, and they talk about, hey, I'd love to, you know, those tour players have it made. And, and I'll say to them, I'll say, well, you could take 10 businessmen and you could give them their PGA Tour card and they would all quit by the, before the season was over. Maybe the first month. Yeah, because it's just, it's just a, it's so, you have to enjoy mastery to an extent. You have to enjoy, um, running the same plan all the time. Um, and, and so that's one thing that Chad does extremely well. He does it very, very well. And he has a lot of strengths and, um, he has a, he has a few things that, that he's going to work on in the off season after he takes some break, you know, because you got to remember he's coming off probably the longest year or sorry, not the longest year, the season. longest season of golf I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, their whole, those, those two years just wrapped into one, and then you get your PGA Tour card, and the way you get your PGA Tour card is you play that fall finish, and you have to play well enough to to shuffle in for next year. So, mm-hmm. so he's going to take a big break. He's, he's just got married and he's taking a big break, and then we we kind of know the areas that he's going to be working on going forward. Well, you mentioned that because with Allie, she's got a few weeks off before she comes mm-hmm. back, and and uh, I think that's the tr- tricky part is is knowing that she, he didn't have time off. He had a week. <laughs> he had a week, uh, and, and he yeah. went back at it. But you, you mentioned you mentioned that long season. But and, and I remember this, or I think I remember this correctly. You had a lot going on the day 
that he won with Stanley on the bag. He's in Maine, but your son Cohen, who we're going to talk about in a second, is trying to win the state am at home. What was it? What were the emotions? I know what it meant for you with Cohen, uh, but what was it like when you finally saw those two together, Stanley and Chad, winning in Maine, the family there, uh, and, and all that hard work? Uh, what were the emotions for you to see that, man, he's finally locked it up and he's finally got to win after all that hard work? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, say, I would suggest uh, chills. Yeah. You know, and, and you know you know me, I always try to protect myself knowing that as a coach, all of my all of my clients, all of my athletes uh, that I work with, when I say my athletes, I'm not putting ownership on them. I'm just saying I care about them. The people that I work with, they're going to be qualifying for something else the next week, mm-hmm. right? That's the, that's the way golf is, you know? So, but, but for, for somebody that I'd spent um, 20 years with, which would be Chad. And then for somebody that I'd spent 19 years with which would be Cohen yeah. not coaching him right <laughs> now you got three th- three or four jobs but there for, but for the good lord to set that up and and so that Chad won and Cohen won the state am on the same day you know Chad's first win on that tour and then Cohen's state am win um it was just amazing I was feeling all kinds of stuff I was texting you left and right yeah um <laughs> But you know, it's it's gratifying. It's just super gratifying in the sense that you you it, you know that the process that you're handing out is working, and uh, and then you're super grateful to the good Lord and to all the other people that played a role in, in helping them get to where they are. So it was it was a, a day that I will not forget. That's for sure. But you know, but I'm not going to forget. Um, I wasn't there. I was watching on television. I'm not going to forget Allie winning. You know, right. I'm not going it, to, it, so it's, none of it's any more special than the next. But they, uh, they become like your family. That's they do. A, they do. They do. It's, they do. It's a, it's an odd deal. I still remember Kathleen winning the state am at, uh, at old Waverly mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, alley. Me, go, me going out to the parking lot and, uh, and just telling her how proud I am of her, you know, because like you get it, you know, I'm. You played, I played. We, I, I didn't play at the level you played, but I, I, I mean, I dedicated my life to trying to get great at golf mm-hmm. early on, right, for a decade. And um, and so you know what they go through, and, and you know those things don't happen all the time. So it's, it, I felt a lot. I always feel a lot, but I felt a lot. Two in a day, that's that's quite the blessing. Yeah, you mentioned Kathleen, my daughter. You actually call her Kathleen Trollio. She's your daughter because mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm. My kids, I sent my kids, and that's a trust. I sent my kids over to you, and you not only taught them, I mean, you you, you developed them into uh, the great players they were in college and, and still play some good golf. You work, your, your system's working with you and Tim at Old Waverly. We're not going to get in that, give any secrets. In order to find the secrets, you got to come over and see you two. So we're not going to give those secrets out, but if you want to find the, the secrets, you get a hold of the Tim. Funniest, the, the funniest thing was on the 13th hole, so Cohen gets done, and and, um, and he tells me about the 13th hole. So uh, something happened, maybe on the 12th hole, maybe, maybe he three-putts the 12th hole. I'm not sure. So the 13th hole at Mossy Oak, um, it was kind of a tight little driving hole, uh, distance from ditch to ditch to fescues, you know, 55 yards. If you hit three wood off, but if you hit driver, it really a tumble down there and there's a, a fairway bunker, uh, about 40 yards short of the green. And then behind the green, there's a, uh, there's a water hazard and I, I don't know where the pin was. 
but uh, it was so back Cohen left. Said, <laughs> Cohen said he, he gets up there and he says, well, I have like a two shot lead. He said, so they all hit iron tee. So I got up there and I beat driver down there in that front bunker and then jumped in that front bunker. And uh, Uncle Jimmy had showed me how to hit this shot. So I jumped in there and hit this wedge out of there to three feet. I knew it was over when I got in that bunker. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, at that moment, I was so happy I wasn't out there. <laughs> Caddying, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know if I'd have been dialing it back. But, but so thank you, Uncle Jimmy, for helping him with his 50 yard bunker shots. Obviously, it helped. Yeah, he got really good at those, and that that yeah. took us not very long. He's such a great kid to work with. I mm-hmm. I just and I just was I, that was a very small part, but he did. He and he called me from school. Hey, I'm having trouble with my fairway bunkers, and you, you know, a couple things like that. And that that's the thing we 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 joked about it that you would teach my kids and I would teach yours. I would never yep. te- I would never teach yours. I would help them. You know how to play. Uh, I, I don't get into the instruction part of it, but as far as shots like that and things like that and thinking, I enjoy that the heck out of that. That's as much fun. I just like it because I'm 60 years old. And somebody wants to listen to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you get to that point. But you, you mentioned fitness, and that's a big part. You work with a lot of college players. You work with all these juniors. That's part of your system. But how has fitness really? helped all your players and how much of a part of that is in your instruction now because they're all working out in college four or five days a week uh, and tour players all the time well you know it's um i guess every i sat down with a piece of paper and a pen and over a course of uh two months three months you know i just on one side i had technique on the other side i had movement and um the only technique i could come up with really in golf was was grip, ball position, and alignment. And, mm. you know, the ball flight laws hadn't changed. So, to me, um, if somebody understands, like, the basics of how to draw it, how to cut it, you know, what a weak grip is, what a strong grip is, getting open, getting closed, moving the ball up, moving the ball back for different situations, th- that technique of it, the rest of the game is movement mm-hmm. in some form and fashion. And, um, and so, you know, f- how somebody moves is going to be based around a couple things. It's going to be based around how functional they are to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll stop right there and, and I'll explain that. So when I say functional, I mean, you, when I stand around giving golf lessons all day, I'm not getting better at rotating. Like you, you, when, when you do television analysis all day long, you're not better at getting better at rotating. So you might be watching good golf. You mm-hmm. might be seeing good golf. You might be saying the right things, but personally, you and I are not getting better at turning back and turning through. And so then you, you take that and you put that on top of, you know, um, uh, like an, an older person. When I say older, I'm old. I'm saying like 28, 32, 48, 50. I don't care. Somebody that has a normal job that loves golf. Well, sitting at that office all day, they're not getting better at turning. And so um, so I think it's a, I think it's really important that – that we that that all of us sort of say hey i need to move better as opposed to i need to more technique needs to be added to my swing and so for me um being 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 able to move being functional being able to move efficiently i think it's a, a very easy way to get a lot better at golf as opposed to you know, instead of somebody saying, hey, you need to keep your right knee flex, you need to turn your left shoulder between your knees uh, or between your feet and your arms and hands need to be higher. Well, the, like if I tell you that, that sounds like golf technique. But then if I say, hey, you know, 
let's just go in the gym and get used to rotating some and then let's get something going where your lats can actually you can actually get the club up um and then we'll just take that feel and put it into a golf swing um that would be more of what i do so i would say that for me the the body side of it, the movement side of it is um is an everyday part of everything that i do well that transitions into kind of the weather's changing people up north are putting up their clubs yeah. uh yeah. the winter's coming up what are a few mm-hmm. things you not only yourself or you mentioned yourself and and, and those things what are you some advice for you know some of the people out there listening to maybe kind of not so much hitting balls to st- that's as big a part as you said the movement uh staying sharp in those winter months what can they do to maybe kind of stay connected to it uh when they put the clubs up well i mean well how much time do we have no, we, got, we got da- we could make this a two-parter but we got all day i control the i control no. the, 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 everything here but no so if you if you uh if you, if you think about the game itself, um, over uh, roughly 60% of anybody's score is going to be from um, wedges and in. Mm-hmm. So how they putt, how they lag putt, how they chip, how they pitch the ball, how they hit bunker shots, and then obviously how they wedge it. Uh, so that obviously says that in the off season, if anybody's looking for any gain at all, 60% of their scoring gain is going to come from how well they putt it, chip it, pitch it, wedge it. So, you know, I think the off season when it gets cold, uh, I think it's a great time to, to lay out some fundamentals on, Hey, I'm gonna work on my lag putting and my short putts. I mean, I mean, what does it take an hour? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really matter how cold it is. Uh, as long as the golf course is open, you can get out there for an hour and, and get some good work in. And then I would say the same thing with shipping and pitching as well. Um, nowadays with even in, even in domes, you know, with the advent of foresight and track, man, uh, even simulators, right. You're getting some pretty good data on how far a golf ball is going and what your club head speed is and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I would think one of the biggest gains would be getting in there and working on those wedge numbers and, um, you know, and, and coming out in the spring with a little lower handicap putting and a little lower handicap chipping, pitching, and then, uh, a little better, a little lower handicap with your wedge play. I would think that from a scoring mentality, that would be the, you know, essentially the first place to go. Um, and then from there, the other, the other 40% of the game, a lot of it's the driver, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's a ton of it's the driver. So then, you know, it's what somebody's looking for for driver. Last time I checked with driver, uh, how far that joker went and how straight it went were, were what it was all about, right? True. Getting that golf ball down there into an area. So from there, it's just a matter of sitting down and, and saying, okay, well, you know, it's me sitting in this desk and me sitting around all winter. Uh, is that going to help me rotate? And, and, and I think most people would say no. And so then it's just like, okay, well, you know, what, what, what's at my disposal here? Is it, is it EGOSCU? You can look that up, E-G-O-S-C-U-E. You can look it up anywhere you want. Uh, as far as YouTube or something, you can pick out some things there. Or there might be, I mean, there's a, a, a Eldoa, there's Kenneth Stretch, there's uh, yoga, there's Pilates, um, and then there's some formal training as far as, you know, building more efficient motion um, rotationally. So that would be the, the two branches I would run immediately going into 
until wintertime. And I think, you know, that's that's kind of like the kids that are playing multiple sports. That's something for them to, to do uh, when they get a nice day or just a, or just some free time because it's tough. I mean, your son Collins is playing high school basketball, and, and some of the kids are playing soccer this time of season. Uh, but it's so important for them to keep playing those sports as well. Uh, well, that's one of the things. That's one of the things that you know, if you if you really study that LTAD, that long term athletic development model, and you really study uh, multiple sports, one of the things that it does really really good is it keeps people from being sedentary. And you know, people need rest. I get that, but like young athletes as they develop, or young people as they develop, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much rest they need if you, you've you've been around a 10 year old or a 12 year old lately you've been around a four and a two year old they don't need much yeah. <laughs> right they don't need a whole lot so i think that's one of the keys of that ltad model that long-term athletic development those multiple sports is that it keeps the kids moving it keeps them creating force it keeps them getting stronger um all these things so i i agree i wholeheartedly uh, agree What's your advice on, I know the college kids don't really, I guess the college and pro, this is a time, is this when they kind of maybe make, if they're going to make an equipment change, this is the time of season to do that, not in the middle of the year? Is this a good yeah, thing for that? I think it's a time for everything. You know, there was a, a couple of athletes that, um, I'll say a couple, well, I'd say most of the college athletes I worked with, you know, I held things back. We didn't even discuss things. Uh, in season and then as soon as season was over you know i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up some a few things that i think would would maybe enhance some of their problems so you know if somebody's um let's say somebody's handles not getting deep enough or let's say somebody's pulling their irons too much or let's say that somebody's not a very good wedge player that's when i'm going to kind of bring in the new stuff you know and so the key is the for the college athletes the key is is uh, bringing in the new stuff, but not getting them so sold on it that they don't work on the old stuff too. Mm, <laughs> true. I mean? Yeah, right? yeah. Because that's that's one of the things you fight with these high end, these driven athletes. It's like if you tell them they need to get that club face a little bit more closed, by George, they will just, you know, uh, that's it, that's it, it's, that's yeah. it. You right? And then you know, and then if you don't, if you don't sell it to them right. Uh, and explain it to them right, then they'll be out there hitting bucker shots next spring with a face shut, right? So, um, yeah, I think that I think that all season is a key period, just from a periodization standpoint. That you have, hey, you have three or four months. All this needs to stay good, but we need to dress this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to equipment changes, when it comes to different irons, different shafts, um, all those things are looked at and really try to make a hard decision on one of the kids that I coach is a heck of a player. Uh, and he won the last tournament of the fall for his team. And then he brought in like three or four irons with three or four different shafts. And he was saying that his, you know, he doesn't spin the ball enough, right? He doesn't, in other words, his six irons spins at like 5,200. And, um, and so you really try to, do your best to, to help them immediately make decisions on it. You know, like don't just because this is your off season, let's not wait a month and a half before we make a decision on what shaft and what head you're going to go with. Right. Um, 
So there's a lot that goes into that. It does. As far as planning. Yeah. It's, but all season is very important. And, and it's not so important that you need to change everything. It's just important that you need to add, add in the things that you need to add in to get a little better. Exactly. You know, it's like a, it's almost like a home, you know, it's like your house is just, just the way you like it. Everything's good. That back patio, just it, you, you need to clean the back patio up. Yep. You know, you need to, need to, paint need to pressure room. wash the back. That's yep. right. That's right. That's right. It's true. And the, and the trick of that is to do it instead of, re- you know, don't reinvent the house because you have to keep each room kind of clean as you go. Um, so that's one of the keys to it. We mentioned uh, Cohen first year uh, in the fall at uh, LSU. It's four and a half hours away. I know I went through that with Kathleen. What's that been like? You caddy for him this this summer at Oakmont again, the USM. What's it been like for you? Not only I know what it's like as a dad, but what's it been like for you as an instructor, being separated uh, for those four? Because he's there every day for the last eighteen years, and and now he's gone. What's that been like for you and and, and Allison? What kind of adjustments have he had to make? Yeah, um, you know we got we from a golf standpoint we got super lucky, uh, super lucky because Chuck Winstead was just amazing i mean when he when when cohen went down there um we went down there to move him in obviously and uh chuck chuck wanted to know chuck brought in the strength strength and conditioning crew and he wanted to know everything cohen did every day with them with them standing in the room Hmm. and and then chuck also wanted to know his entire plan and what he did like what was important so like it was just, I was just blown away at at Coach Winstead's uh, openness to that, and like him making time for that because I was handed then I was handed Cohen to a program that knew all about him, mm-hmm. and you know to to their to, to to their credit, I mean the 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 their Coach Winstead and his staff they stood there for three hours and watched exactly what Cohen does. And we're like, we got it. We understand. And we Ch- Chuck's it. a great instructor, so that's got to be kind of helpful for you as well yeah. to have somebody down there that's not going to be mm-hmm. messing with his swing without calling you yep. and being on the same page. Yep. And then, you know, you, and then Cohen also has a, a huge web of influences with Rob Noel, with John Tillery, um, with me, uh, with Tim Yelverton, with Michael Bentley, um, with you. And so Cohen also has a, a in, you know, this a web of influences that um, he, he knows he can reach out to. They're, they're good guys and he can reach out to them. So from an instruction standpoint, it hadn't been, it hadn't been super bad. I mean, he's Cohen's done a fantastic job of staying to his plan. Um, Coach Winstead warned him time and time again about rookies on the PGA tour have the biggest ears mm. and freshmen in college have the biggest ears. True. So he's, he's uh, so Cohen's done a fantastic job as far as, taking care of running the plan nowadays it's easier as you know because you can send video right you know or facetime and, and or facetime yeah and video still is kind of weird to me i mean even doing this as long as i've done it, it's like somebody sends me a swing and they're like is that better and i'm like well yeah the, the, how's the ball flying you know yeah. i'm still right. still video kind of but you video does give you a presence especially over a period of time if they'll send you video uh you know one time a week over a month then you can see where they're trending to. Um, so yeah, Cohen's done a great job. And then as far as him not being around, you know, Cohen was a hell of a leader around here. I mm-hmm. mean, he was, he spent time with, um, he spent time with the kids, with the, with the younger kids and they looked up to him and, 
And Cohen was one of those kids inside our program that if you if you wanted to feel bad, he would make you feel bad because you would come <laughs> out there, he would come out there at eleven o'clock and he'd be sweating already. Right. And um and so you know I, I think the program Wells Williams has stepped up and uh, Colin Strolio has stepped up and I think the program itself uh, is you know it misses him surely because of of his influence and then Allison of you know it's it's been a really easy deal I mean it's it's not it's not me and Allison both as far as parents it hadn't been you know we we still have Collins here so Collins gets to be the the, the the child the only child for a little bit but it hadn't been hard I mean we trust Co- we trust Cohen uh, we know that LSU and Coach Winstead and, and that Andrew Nelson we know that they're doing a fantastic job so it's it's really been easy for us and a, and a blessing for us and he's if got Kathleen makes, 25 minutes up the road he's got Kathleen 25 minutes up the road which is she keeps an eye on her she's got the inside don't worry but you you mentioned collins he's verbally committed to Ole miss and what'd you learn in that process with him with colin or with cohen going through that with college and what advice do you have for the parents who maybe their kids not old enough to commit or going through that process or where they're thinking about doing it what advice do you have for those parents uh in, in guiding their junior or their or their player trying to figure out where they may want to visit or and eventually commit one of the, um, you know, I've had I've had a, a lot of the kids that I've coached. I don't know how many. Let's say thirty have played Division One golf, and so, you know, Cohen going through it, Collins going through it. It's not my first rodeo through it, right? But that being said, they are your, they are your son, uh, or your, in my case, my son. So, um, I, early on, someone. And I don't know who it was um, or some, I don't know what, what it was, but early on I started kind of telling kids, you know, well, you better love the coach. And, and part of it might've been because Sam Hall is good for me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you've always said, uh, you know, you got to like the university without the football games, without all the stuff, just the university itself, the people. And so with, with Cohen, it was always, you know, don't worry about the school worry about like the coach you want to play with the coach you want to play for. That's going to be your first boss. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I told Collins the same thing and I tell all the juniors the same thing. Now it's like, you know, get past the football games, uh, get past the, the, the girls on campus or the boys on campus, get past all that. And let's look at this thing realistically. And you know what coach do you want to play for for the most? Didn't they what, didn't they both visit on a non-football or basketball weekend? Which it was like normal. This is what this is what it's like. Yeah, they did. Ninety yeah, percent. they did. Which they I did. think is important. Yeah, they did. They did. They uh, they both the the coaching staffs at both the places that they ultimately went to. Um, they visited. They kind of had different visits. They visited once on a ball game. And then they visited again on just a normal day, so they could see it. Just a normal day campus. So that that was the that was you know those coaches that did that were were really smart. I think just kind of showing on both sides of the picture. Yeah, because um, it's it's a tough decision, and that's that's what I advise. That's why I have these coaches on, 
and they've been great well, telling telling the parents this is what we look for this is what we want you to do and yeah and, and i always warn the kids now remember now and you laugh about it you know what i'm going to say when you get yeah, there they're serving you filet and lobster but when, mm -hmm. you, when you know when you get there on your recruiting trip it's filet lobster you get a dessert and when you get to school there you may be serving it you may be cleaning up uh, your first year so it that's part of the recruiting it's not a cut it's just part of the process and that's why i think also going a non-football or a basketball or sporting event weekend this is what your normal life is going to be it's not always going to be the excitement when lsu plays alabama or Ole miss plays alabama or tennessee plays alabama everybody plays alabama uh those those kind of things so uh, i think that's great advice but uh um. The schools now are all so good, you they know. Are. I mean, they are. I mean, they're just good, and and um, and so the 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 kids have to really get excited about playing somewhere, and the parents have to understand, including me, that this is not the last page of the book. Mm -mm. I mean, I, you cannot imagine the places that Allison Trollio has gone with Cohen and Collins leading them up to college. I mean, you can't, I mean, we have been Cohen and I have personally been from one coast to the other coast in a six month period. Right. You're actually in a six day period. You drove back. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and Allison has been everywhere from, uh, Rhode Island to, Austin, Texas to Miami, Florida. I mean, it's just, you know, you just go everywhere as their juniors and there's a lot of excitement built around as they accomplish more of their task and, and start playing better. But the parents have to understand that it is not the last page in the book. I mean, when, when they get there, they have to qualify. You're right. They have to mm -hmm. qualify for the team. And yeah. then, and then they, and then once they're playing well, then they have a top 20 and then now they're looking for a win and, then, then the semester's over. But guess what? The second semester, you have to requalify again. Right. Right. And right. so, you know, and then you have to qualify for regionals. Then you have to qualify for nationals. And then, and then you, you know, next thing you know, you're at the USAM next year and you're fighting for your spot in match play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, golf's just this game that is a constantly a qualifier. It's constantly a qualifier. So if the kid loves, the coach and wants to go make a difference and the parent and i'll say me and allison the parent understands that this is not the last page in the book that the kids gotta you just stay with it stay with the same process same 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 things keep going keep qualifying then going to college is not a not a hard thing not a hard thing now if the and it hadn't been hard for me and Allison. It hadn't been, and you know, Collins is walking around here. He loves Coach Malloy. He wants to play for Coach Malloy. He's ready to roll. And you got to remember, um, Collins is doing that from from Old Waverly, right? Mm -hmm. so, which is this is Mississippi State country, mm -hmm. um, and some and some sprinkled in um, Ole Miss country. And and Allison, I went to Southern Miss, so it's you know we're we're pretty benign. We're like Sweden, right? We're easy. <laughs> um, so. But for, for us, it's not, it's, not, it's not a big deal because we know that Collins needs to continue to get better. Uh, he already has his strengths. He needs to get, get, keep knocking out some, tapping away at these weaknesses, keep cracking that rock, you know, one by one. And he wants to – so, you know, I, we don't see any big deals. I think where you get in so much trouble as a parent or a player is that if you 
if you don't understand what you're getting into, which is the reason you've done all these podcasts, the reason I wrote the book, right? It's like, how do you develop this thing? And then you start the podcast where people understand what they're going into. Who are these people? Who are these college coaches? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have any capes on and they're not villain. They don't have big mask, villain mask on either. And, and then the, the uh, so if the kid wants to go in and make a difference, we're ready to roll. And then the parent, we have to understand as parents that it's just not the last page. It's going to, just like all things do, it's going to have its hard pot, hard spots, and then it's going to have its real cel- celebratory spots. You mentioned the last page there. of the book, but let's talk about your book, Only One Shot. Is it still available yeah. at Amazon? And make a great Christmas gift, but where can they be? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing a little promo here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that is the place that it is accessible is Amazon. Uh, just type in only one shot, uh, only one shot about VJ Trolio, and it'll pop up. And yeah, it's a it's a good as I as I've always said, Jim. It's it's not the book, uh, but it's a solid blueprint. And so if anybody's out there with a with an athlete and they're they don't really know what the next steps are. <clears throat> It'll at least lay out a, 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 a blueprint for somebody to go, okay, cool. I want my kid to develop in this area. This seems to be an interest of his or hers. And it'll lay out, um, lay out sort of a blueprint that somebody can jump in and, and keep rolling with, you know, it's a, it's an ever changing thing. It's like any good plan is flexible. And that's what only one shot is, is it's, it's your story. And, and your story really backs up the entirety of it. I mean, your, your story is demonstrates to the whole world, um, how it's a constant process, um, going from, you know, a little junior player, any little junior athlete all the way up to, to Ryder Cup. Yeah. It's part of the book's part of the puzzle. It's part of the, uh, manuscript as you said but i'll leave you on this one but i had a young lady contact me on instagram from canada that read the book and now listens to the podcast and they have just loved it so uh it, we're, it's been fortunate the podcast is i think in what did i tell you 40 50 countries people listen to it i'm, yeah, not, a, yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to brag on it i just think it's so yeah. cool the people around this world love this game and, and for us to be a small part of it it's been great and i appreciate you spending time with us appreciate you writing the book uh, yeah. and uh, it's a great way to end season four. We'll come uh, back in a couple of weeks off. Got to do a little hunting in between, but yes. Beach, uh, you got to come over and do a little hunting and take a few. I need to. You know that time off you want your players to take? It's time for you to take some time <laughs> off. So, uh, you're more than welcome. Bring the boys, bring Allison. We'll take them out. We'll have a big time. Okay. We'll do. All right, brother. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for everything you do. Here we go.